Hey everybody, I want to uh, thank you for being here and welcome you to uh, Happy Hour with Pastor Dale, um, tackling tough topics with uplifting love and grace. And uh, tonight um, I am excited to share uh, some financial considerations with you. Um, we uh, decided that um, coming towards the end of the year, approaching the holidays, and also then beginning a new year, that it might be a good topic for our Lighthouse family to spend some time talking about finances. So thank you for coming, those of you who are here live. And if you are watching live stream or in the coming days or weeks, we appreciate your presence and uh, hope that this is beneficial. So I'm excited to introduce to you our, uh, our guest this evening, Jim Sanders. Uh, Jim is a financial counselor at Valley Christian Counseling. And I'm not going to do a long, long or lengthy introduction. I just want you, Jim, first of all, welcome. Thank you. Uh, enjoyed getting a chance to visit with you a couple weeks ago and, and plan for today. And uh, why don't you tell us what you would like us to know about yourself? Oh, well, I've been married 50 years. I married my childhood sweetheart. I have two daughters and seven grandchildren. And I've been in the financial industry for over 30 years. Wow, 30 years. And so at Valley Christian Counseling, um, you literally do financial counseling, is that correct? That is correct. Um, so um, here, I, this, I thought this would be the best way to start. What the heck is a financial counselor? So why don't we start there? You know, what, what does a financial counselor do? You know, when you work with people, what does that look like? And why don't you just, just explain a little bit of, of the whole financial counseling, um, you know, piece that might be helpful to us? Well, that's a good question. A financial counselor. Financial counselor really helps a person focus what they're doing with their money. Okay. We help them look at their, what their goals are, what their objectives in life are, and where they're spending their money, where their income comes from. And we try to match it with what the, they want. So all we are is kind of a focus. So a financial counselor. What would you need a financial counselor for? If life has got you backed up into a corner, it's really good to share and express and ask for questions and ask for advice from someone else. And someone who's been in the field for a longer time can be just the right person to help you. Okay. So um, I know that when we met, you said that um, you know, one of the first things you do when you sit down with people is try to figure out where is the money going. Can you talk about that a little bit? And you know, what do you see when you work with people? Most people, most people when they come to me, they don't know where all their money is going, okay? Yeah, they know their large bills, they know where the mortgage is, they know their car payment is, they maybe know that they have to pay utilities. But when they add everything up, they should have money left over and they don't. Hmm. And they don't know where it's going. And it's going when they stop at the, get gas in their car and they go in and buy a cup of coffee and a snack, or maybe it's going, uh, uh, walking down the street and they see this neat little uh, gadget that they just can't do without, mm. but they just don't keep track of it. And 
it's easy to forget where you spend your money afterwards. So getting a, an object of knowing where they're going, what they're doing, how they're doing it, um, helps them also determine can they change. Because I could tell you to write a budget right now, and you're going to write a budget, and that still doesn't tell you where you're spending your little money. The money. So it's basically uh, sitting down and I like to say, let's track a week where you spend your money. No, not every penny, not every dollar, mm -hmm. but let's round it off to a, a cup of coffee, four dollars. If you spend that every day of the week, that's 20 bucks minimum, and uh, that adds up. Yeah, it does. I know that when we met, you talked about money being kind of black and white. Is that kind of what you're referring to? Or tell us about that. Okay. Uh, that, that takes a little bit more definition. Okay, go for it. I'll go for it. Black and white, if by the government, black money is illegal money. Okay? White money is where you have an income and you make it. Where I look at black and white money is... By the way, we don't know anything about black money in this <laughs> church, so... <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> stand to be corrected. Anyway, but what I mean by black and white money is to know where your money is going and where is it being spent. It is a definite um, purpose in the money. White money or money that we're paying the rent for, car payments, gas, positive. Black money is money that we just kind of, it's in my pocket. I'm just going to spend it because it's there. It's burning a hole in the pocket. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's one definition that I use. The other, the other definition is money has a, can be used as a purpose. And once it's spent, that purpose is achieved or not achieved. Mm -hmm. And so it is very black and white in getting to whatever we're doing. Uh, for instance, if you were going out and, uh, not that we don't do that, but let's say you're buying an alcoholic beverage. Okay, and buying alcoholic beverage, you get satisfaction for a short time, but it, long term it doesn't do anything for you. If it's um, paying the rent, you've got the place to stay. It becomes more permanent, and it, it does something for you. White money. Okay. Okay, so it's not necessarily that the black money is bad, it's just that it tends to be short-term, um, you know, fulfillment and not always knowing where it's going. It has no goal, no purpose. It has no larger purpose. So I think that, you know, I've shared with you that um, over the years I have really um, sought to invest myself in, in you know, financial education and, and stewardship um, teaching and and um, one, of the, one of the misconceptions I think that most people have, um, and you can disagree with me, um, is that I have an income problem, not an outgoing problem. And um, my experience has been that there are a lot of people with incomes much greater than probably any of the incomes in this room who also have financial issues going on in their life. Would you say that's true? I mean, is it, is it an income issue that people, you know, are dealing with, or is it a spending issue, or is, does that depend? It depends. Of course. But I will tell you right now, I have some people that we would consider wealthy that make a lot of money who have problems. Hmm. 
The only difference is their problems are bigger. Mm. Okay? <laughs> so, so let's, let's talk about it. Income is a problem. If you uh, overspend, that's a problem. So it's kind of looking at what you can do for each side of it. So when you talk about, is it an income problem? Mm-hmm. If you're not making enough money and you're spending more than you're making, you can go get a bigger job or make more income. But if you're making adequate income to live on, but you're overspending it, then it becomes a spending problem. Yeah. So it just depends on how you're looking at it. There's yeah. no easy answer to that. Yeah. And that maybe is one objection I have to a lot of people who look at finances. They'll, like you kind of said, well, it's an income problem. Go out and get a better job. Um, that's not always that easy. And that doesn't always solve the problem because if they're overspending at a small amount of income, they may overspend at a larger amount of income. Yeah, yeah. And, and one of the things that I really appreciated in our visiting a couple of weeks ago um, is that you, you tried to make clear that you're not about kind of a one-size-fits-all one you know, financial counseling package, that it really depends on the individual. Um, maybe what their goals are, but also what their situation is. And, and uh, you like to work with, you know, the person as opposed to kind of the, just the numbers. Am I saying that correctly? Oh, absolutely. If I told everyone in this room that you had to do a certain way and I could get you debt-free, maybe one or two in this room we might try it. The rest of you are going to say, you don't know me. You know, how can I determine what's going on? You all have different goals and objectives in life. You have different problems. And so, as a financial counselor, you've got to take in all those concerns. It's not that I can solve those concerns, but they affect how money is. So, uh, there's a lot of, we can name names, and we don't have to, but there's a lot of people that are on radio and on TV that have a cookie-cutter Let's solve your debt problem. And we've probably all tried it, okay? Um, It works for very few people. And for those that it works for, I feel very happy. But the rest of us say, well, we tried it. It didn't work. It's because we didn't look at the personal concerns and problems. Yeah. So let's get to a couple of uh, nuts and bolts, okay? Okay. Um, So um, I'll... uh, I'll, I'll be the person coming to you okay. um, with for financial counseling. And I have um, huge credit card debt. And so um, my experience um, has been that a lot of people come to financial counseling, or I might even tell them, maybe you should see a financial counselor when, like, I'm about to go under. So I have huge credit card debt. Can you solve that for me? Can I solve that? <laughs> The answer is no, but can I give you some ideas on it? Um, okay. What's, what's the average credit card debt in the United States? Well, the average credit card debt as of the end of the third quarter of this year, um, no, I'm going to say the first quarter of this year, uh, was uh, $5,800. It's moved because of inflation. It was in the third quarter of last year, it was 5200 It's mm. actually increased by almost $500. And is that per person? That's per person. Okay. So um, 
how how do how do you approach credit card debt when somebody has credit card debt that they're not able to kind of um, deal with on a monthly basis, for example? Well, first, uh, here's the people who come and come to see me and they have credit card debt. The first thing I notice that most of the people, when I ask them what their credit card debt is, is they'll bring me a bunch of envelopes that are not opened. Okay, which means they've already went into the stage of ignoring the debt mm. as much as humanly possible. Uh, they didn't know how they got there. It's a problem. So we sit down and I say, let's look at your credit card debt one by one. We look at what the interest rate is that you're charging, where you're charging, how you're charging. And then sit down and talk to them as, why are we using this debt? Because there's... They're using this debt for a reason. Is it because they don't have enough income? Are they overspending someplace? Um, emotionally, do they need to be feel more secure by buying things? So get to the cause of the debt just in a, a small degree. But in, in lighting at that is I find out where their debt is. We look at the interest rates they're paying. And then we kind of say, I kind of throw the onus back on them. What do you plan to do? Okay, and you know what their answer usually is. First, not opening the envelopes was an answer. <laughs> the second answer is, uh, I'm going to send each one of them ten dollars. <laughs> okay, or fifteen or twenty. And that really, with the interest rates that are nowadays, that doesn't solve a problem. That just extends it. So I try to educate them and show them how we may be able to do some things that help. But before we actually tackle the debt problem on the credit card, we got to, okay, we got that little area maybe discussed. We got to look at where all the other finances are, where their other debt is, where their other bills are at. Maybe, maybe they don't have enough money to put towards the debt, mm. okay? So if the problem expands and we find out, well, they don't have enough money towards the debt, have you contacted the creditors? Mm. The answer is usually no. I mean, remember, they're not opening the envelopes. Yeah. So the answer is usually no. Sometimes we can get uh, credit extended or lowered for payments. Hmm. There's many different ways we can help that the person didn't even want to talk to anyone about their debt. Most and of so. us are good at denial, so we get that, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so are you... When, when does somebody then look at bankruptcy as the option or um, how, how do you even navigate that within a, in your mind with people or in their mind? Oh, that's a tough question. I know it is. I didn't answer, ask that two weeks ago. No, either. that's fine. <laughs> uh, bankruptcy. It's, it's a last resort, but in being a last resort, it is an also a resort that was given to us by our government mm -hmm. to help bail us out. Okay, so we don't want to completely ignore that option, but I don't want to use that option as an option for just let's get out of it, let's just free it that way. There's a lot involved when you start talking bankruptcy, along with debt, there's a lot of emotions, there's a lot of uh, uh, feelings of guilt, yeah, and so you got to kind of deal with all those together. But there are times when bankruptcy is necessary. Lots of medical bills, for instance. Uh, so, 
So I've, I've learned that, that some um, would say that when you look at credit card debt, you kind of start with maybe the ones, uh, the, the credit cards that have the lowest balance to kind of get something paid off quickly. Do you have a formula like that that you use or not necessarily? It all depends on the individual and the situation. Well, I'll come back as a financial counselor. It depends on the individual. Mm-hmm. But yes, we can use one, let's just call it the snowball, which is uh, you pay off the lowest first. And so you get some motivation when you get that paid off, and then you go to the next sure. largest Feels debt. good. Feels yeah. good, the motivation. There's also the avalanche, which we pay off <laughs> the one with the highest interest rate because mm. the interest adds up very quickly. Yeah. You know, I actually come back there and do kind of a combination. Um, when we're looking at paying a debt, I will look at you, and I'll just look at you, you know, I'm going to ask you a question. How much do you save? Hmm. And the answer is when you're in, when you have problems with debt, none. Hmm. Could you save $5 a week? And the answer is, well, if I really try, yeah, I probably can. We take the focus off the debt to saving that $5. And you say, well, they're going further in debt. But think of the motivation all of a sudden if for a month they've been saving $5, not touching it, and they got $20 sitting someplace. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden they have this $20, which they can say, hey, now I can put $20 on this debt. Okay. Or I got that $20 saved up to buy a gift for somebody. $5 is not going to make any difference in paying the debts. It's not going to make any difference in paying your credit card. Mm. But it is going to make a little bit more motivation. So what I try to do is to give motivation from right from the start. Okay? And someone says, well, $5 is too much. Well, how about a dollar? And if someone says, well, now I've saved $3. I've put it in that envelope and I have not touched Mm. it. Mm. Okay? But Mm. let's think about what we're doing. Remember, this is a person that is spending everything they get, every dollar that comes in, and all of a sudden they're they're saving $3. Somehow they're saving, they're not spending something. We're forming a habit. And that's more important than uh, correcting the debt. Yeah. So um, you have have lots of things going through my mind here. so you've talked you talked the other day about the cycle of debt. What mm. does that mean? Because it seems like that's almost, you know, part of the challenge that you're referring to right now in trying to build those good habits. What is the cycle of debt? Many people that I've helped will come to us with. And the trouble is here, financial counselor people come to us when they've got a fire burning. By that it means they're in trouble. And so we help them, we encourage them, we advise them, they meet with us, and maybe we get them out of the the point where the fire is not burning anymore, but they're starting to control their debt. And I call it like a circle, because all of a sudden, they they kind of feel, yeah, I can take care of it. But something gets down, they get depressed, they go out and spend, and all of a sudden, they're back in debt, and they slide further back into that circle, being in debt again. In many cases because they've seen that they can kind of get out once, they go deeper the second time around. And it gets worse and worse. Mm. So a cycle of debt, 
they really need uh, not only uh, an accountability person, but here I'm going to bring the spiritual aspect in it. They need God. We need God to help us get out of our problems. Yeah. Um, so you know about financial counseling. Um, we know a lot about some of the life-controlling issues like addiction here. And addiction is the same way where those cycles kind of develop and we get deeper and deeper, um, pull ourselves out, back in. And so uh, there's a lot of similarities. It's very interesting. One of the things that I would like to say to people watching or people here is, is that I, I think that many in our family um, have come to know that we need help with things that um, we're not doing well with. Does that make sense? Um, whether that's a sponsor or some, I, you know, I just need to talk to somebody and I need to get some help. And, and you know, I think that we're talking about things that anybody can do, but when we're struggling with our finances, we don't do them by ourselves. And that's where getting somebody to help as almost a, a, a level, not only of just counseling, but accountability and helping us to think through can be of value. And we know that kind of stuff. I think that can be very um, helpful. Um, tell me, um, tell us your advice, um, because I know this is kind of important to you, um, that, that when the fire is burning isn't the best time to go to a financial counselor. And so I, wanna, I want you to just talk to um, those of us who might be living um, not above our means, but we're living at our means. Like we get to the end of the month and, oh, by golly, I've got, you know, $4 still in my checkbook and, you know, I've got a five in my pocket. So, um, you know, I think that, I, what, what advice would you have to us who are living in that kind of a place? Well, that's a good place. Let's start there. Um, I think, uh, when do you see a financial counselor? Not when the fire is burning. Before that, if at all possible. And there's a reason for that is it, the solution it can be easier and not so hard. Mm. Now, you asked, um, basically, you know, what... Uh, what about those living right at their means? Yeah. What kind of an advice would you give? If somebody's coming to you for financial counseling before the fire is burning, what kind of advice do you give them? Mm. Well, then, then we look through at the expenses and, uh, uh, and their income and what, they, what are their goals and what do they want to achieve in life. But the reason I paused, that I was wondering if this is the time to bring up, and I think it is. You know, all of us listen to the news. And what's the biggest topic on the news right now? Inflation. Mm -hmm. Okay. In, um, you take a dollar in uh, 2020, January of 2020, and let's say it's worth a dollar. In that two and a half years, we have 13% inflation. Hmm. That dollar now buys 87 cents worth. So if you're living in your means, inflation is eroding your buying power. Hmm. Now you think, well, 13%, I'm handling it. Well, let's just, if you make $2,000 a month. The inflation is now costing you $260 more. Hmm. In a year, that's $3,000. Hmm. 
Did anyone think about that? Is anyone thinking that inflation is slowly eating into your pocketbook? Mm. Mm. So in your spending, living by your means, we talk about inflation, but we don't talk about what the actual dollar is happening. Go out and buy milk. Or how about this, buy eggs. I think they've just about tripled in price. So uh, you've got to have a plan, and that's where a financial counselor can maybe help you with that plan. What's happened in the last two and a half years? Everyone in this room, everyone that's listening, cannot purchase as much with the same dollars as they did two and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. So sorry for the pause, but nope, nope, that makes sense. And so, um, how what? How could can you give us give us a little takeaway? So um, you you know my in, my income hasn't gone up a lot in the last two and a half years. Um, things are costing me thirteen point whatever percent you said more. Um, any just kind of easy takeaways? What can I do? Uh, to kind of, you know, maybe get ahead a little bit? Well, first, uh, look at what you're buying. Brand products cost more than uh, the generic products, right? Mm -hmm. That's a way to save, okay? Uh, Looking where your variable expenses, the expenses that change day to day, that candy bar, do you need it? Mm -hmm. So you can sit there and sit there. Is there ways that we can cut expenses... So it is. We are maintaining within the same annual income. Yeah. It's pretty. It's it is pretty remarkable when when I've sat down and added up. You know how much you know swinging by my favorite um, coffee shop or eating out for lunch. How much that adds up um, in a in a pretty short time. And so there are little adjustments that we can make. So. Um, let me um, kind of pose this. Um, just watching the time here. We got, we're in good shape. Um, what about the person who thinks, how do I spend money on a financial counselor when I can barely buy groceries? Well, two things. My answer would be you probably cannot afford to not afford a financial counselor. Hmm. And the reason for that is, you know, the Bible says many advisors help us grow. So you need an advisor or someone else that's going to listen to. But here's the thing with financial. How many people want to talk about financial? You don't. Mm. And so if you actually move and start talking to a financial counselor, he's someone else who will listen and has done many times with many different people. You're not unique and it gives ideas, areas, how to proceed. Yes, we cost. If money is a problem, you know, local churches in town do help out. Um, even financial counselors will slide their scale somewhat. Mm-hmm. So it's just a knowing who to talk to and what to talk to. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I would encourage anybody in our Lighthouse family who's feeling like that would be to your advantage, um, you know, to, to maybe have that conversation with me. And um, our church may not have means to necessarily kind of help with financial counseling, but there are resources available oftentimes for people 
uh, to get the assistance that they need. I will tell you too that um, Jim has offered to come back to our church and just meet and have conversation with people occasionally about their financial situation and do some, you know, kind of, um, if not one-on-one, one-on-whoever -on -one, on gathers in an, maybe an, in an evening to just have some conversation about uh, some things that could be done. So, um, and um, at Lighthouse Church, we're really good at taking people up on offers like that, right? Um, so we will be letting you know if that interests you. Um, can you talk a little bit about the importance of saving? Oh, um, I think it's one of the more um, important things that we might be able to take away here. All of us should have a savings account. And what's the first thing you should do in the savings account is you should be having uh, one financial counselor calls it an emergency fund, but you should have some type of money that falls you can fall back on. Um, emergency funds are normally a thousand dollars might take a long time to achieve it. It might be something you have uh, and is sitting there. Second thing is you should have uh, money to, uh, what happens if you lose your income source? And I honestly believe you should have two to three months of your income source sitting someplace. And uh, so, you know, saving as much as you can. It takes the pressure off debt. Hmm. It takes pressure off living. Money isn't living, directing your life. You're directing your life. You've got to remember, we're supposed to be good stewards. God gave us our resources, 100%. Um, and there's no doubt in that. So we've got to be good stewards of it, and saving is just part of being a good steward. Mm. So um, I know that when we met a couple of weeks ago, you talked about... Um, you know, that it doesn't have to be a big amount that you start saving right away. I mean, saving a dollar a week. Um, that seems like, uh, like it will take till Jesus returns, unless he comes back soon, for that to accumulate. But, but it's starting somewhere, kind of, um, it's starting somewhere and then letting it build. Can you just say how, how that works in savings? Savings, uh, well, like you say, a dollar a week. But here's the thing about it. If you can save a dollar a week when before you couldn't save at all, it means you've cut your expenses someplace. Hmm. And if you've cut your expenses someplace and you continue to do it, you've made a habit. Hmm. So let's say it's that one cup of coffee a month, that cappuccino that you just had to have, you didn't buy, uh, and you put that $5 away. That savings helps, and it's a, we are changing habits. And if we can change habits, it makes it easier for us to live within our means. Very good. So, um, so we're approaching Christmas, mm. and I I assume that December doesn't count. Like we can spend whatever we want, buy Christmas presents at whatever size. An increment, and it's okay to increase the credit card debt through you know, by buying Christmas presents. Um, would that be your advice, or do you have some other advice for us at Christmas time? I have an opening in January. You can make an appointment. No, um, you know our secular world has done this to us. It says, "Spend money," and in spending money, it says, "The larger 
I spend, the more I spend, the more I love you. Mm. So here's Christmas. We're all feeling guilty that we haven't bought this $30 gift. Do you know, let's walk back 50 years. Some of the handmade gifts from Grandma were some of the best ones we've remembered. Mm. There's nothing wrong with sitting down and making a handmade gift. Or how about writing a letter saying your mm. feelings? I know letter writing has kind of went out of out of uh, vogue, but isn't that kind of what we need to do is to tell people that we're giving mm. gifts to that you're important? Mm. It isn't the dollar amount. And so as a counselor, I'm going to say, you don't have to go out and buy fancy gifts. Yeah, Buy a pair of socks and write a letter saying how much you appreciate them. Our staff um, recently was at a, a conference where we heard a speaker talk about how um, people who come out of poverty um, have a, a, a natural um, desire and inclination to um, spend money as soon as they get it in order to kind of give back or to con convey um, some of that emotion and feelings. and. Um, or to just spend money that, um, you know, that has come their way. And, you know, I, I would actually say that, um, you know, I, I, I don't think we do a good job in our, in our church, in our culture, in, in lifting up that idea that, that really the most meaningful gifts that we can give um, are not necessarily the expensive things um, as much as they are the heartfelt things that, that have some meaning. Um, and take some time. And I, you know, I think that that is such an important message, especially for a lot of our church family who um, live on limited means um, and maybe are trying, you know, getting kids back and wanting to make their, you know, kids feel special and, and uh, you know, maybe make up for lost time. So it's an important message. And um, I just really um, would hope that people would take the, that word of, of, you know, it's not so much the dollar amount as what's behind that gift that counts. So um, I thank you for that. Um, so um, just a couple more things, and then we are going to open it up if there are any questions tonight. Um, I know that you have felt a little hesitancy about, um, about people's, or let me start over. Uh, you feel like people's hesitancy about financial counseling or planning is that they're going to be tried to fit into a box. And you talked about that a little bit at the beginning. Is there anything more you'd like to say about that, that there's not a one-size-fits-all? Everybody's different. Everybody's goals are different. Everyone's life circumstances are different. And if that's not taken into account, eventually that person is going to say, this doesn't work because, and whatever that difference is. And so we have to take in the differences. There is no one box that fits everyone, in my opinion. Whatever your concerns are, whatever uh, your goals are, need to be taken into account. You might say, I cannot do that. Well, what can you do? And we go from there. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. Um, so I know this is my last question. Um, I know that um, your desire to be a financial counselor and uh, to help people has grown out of your faith. 
Um, I know that giving, you know, we haven't even talked about giving, is an important part of, you know, your life and what you, um, you know, what you um, like to talk about. And so um, if you, I just want to give you a, a chance before we take a few questions, um, you know, is the, can you say something just about um, where this comes from in your own life and in your own heart? Mm. Yeah. Um. Many times I have found that I learn from other people. And so I wanted to give back. And several years ago, the Lord really spoke to me and said, uh, Jim, uh, I want you to help people. And help people from experiences that you've known. I've been close to bankruptcy okay, a couple times. I've run businesses. I have failed in business. In the last 30 years, God has blessed me in the business that I'm in. Um, because of that, I wanted to share what God has taught me. And uh, he taught me that everything I own is not mine, it's God's. And I'm just a steward of it. And I feel that I need to tell everyone else the same thing. So. Where am I coming from? I am coming as someone who feels that God is pushing me to help other people. Mm. And not for patting myself on the back or self-satisfaction, but to literally see someone conquer, conquer that terrible feeling of being in debt and mm. not in control of their finances. Mm. Mm. and giving God the glory for that not me hopefully the people I'm helping if I help them will give God the glory yeah yeah one of the experiences I've had is that a lot of the greatest joy I have from a financial standpoint is in my giving and in seeing what God does with that money and when you're struggling with debt that's almost impossible to experience and so taking care of some of those issues um, is a responsible thing to do, not only as people, but as followers of Jesus. And um, so I thank you for that. Thank you for your um, wisdom and time. And let's see if there's a few questions. If uh, anybody has a question uh, tonight online or in the room that they would like to ask Jim, um, anything is fair game. And uh, we uh, will see if anybody, um, we got a couple of hands here going up. So... And maybe identify yourself and share your question. Hi, I'm Louisa, and um, so I actually am on low income, and one of the things I kind of struggle with is, like, saving the money. Like, I, ha like I have in my mind that I'm going to save the money and not use it on things like alcohol, for example, but then I end up using that money that I didn't use on alcohol to buy something else. Like, I don't know how to word it, but like, what kind of advice do you have for someone who struggles with that? Well, thank you. And I, I guess what I would turn around is uh, place the money in some place 
in anyone, okay, it's not just your, your consideration, but anyone, if you're trying to save, is put it someplace where you just say, I'm not going to touch it. And if it's a small amount, I would even seal an envelope and put it in a book or something, and you know it's there, but you just don't touch it. Mm. That's hard. That's the first step. It's hard. Mm. Yeah. That's, a, that's good. All right. Hi, my name's Jeremy. Uh, thanks for coming. Kind of have a two-parter question about save, about emergency funds and savings. Um, so we had a few thousand dollars in savings, and my issue is like the interest that you get once in a while they throw they'll throw a penny on it, whereas we've lost thirteen percent of it in a couple mm -hmm. of years. Mm. So I'm wondering um, how much do you recommend you keep in just a regular savings account to have quick access to, and what do you do if you want to continue to save but be able to access it, but it, have it earn like earn a decent interest, mm -hmm. where, would you, where would we put the money after our emergency savings is full? Okay, it's a good question. It's a very good question, and thank you for it. One, the emergency fund is not a fund that is necessarily to make you a lot of money, okay? It is there, as the term is, an emergency. The car, the car is not running, uh, medical, whatever. It's nice to make interest on money, but that's not what the emergency fund is. So that $1,000 or whatever you can put away, I'm not so concerned and I would encourage you not to be concerned about the interest. After the th uh, $1,000, then you can start looking at different types of investments that make a little bit more, okay? That could be a CD, it could be a money market that's a little different setup. Um, it just depends. and. You still want to have somewhat access to it because that's what money, why we're having it so that it's that way. I would not at this time, unless you are changing jobs an awful lot, uh, once you got three months of your expenses put away, that's probably enough in savings and then you can think about getting more risky in uh, trying to do investments. So if you spend uh, $2,000 to live each month, you know, we're all of a sudden talking $6,000, 1000 in uh, an emergency fund, and 6000 that might be in a CD. Not all in one CD, but maybe scattered in uh, every three months or something along that line. Again, it's not high interest rate. Again, it's not going to keep up with inflation. But think about what it does to take off the pressure if something happens. You switch jobs, you don't have an income for a month. The car breaks down, medical expenses. That money there takes that anxiety. That's what the savings account is for. It's not to make money on it, it's to take the anxiety off living. Thank you, thank you. Any other questions? There's somebody online, I think. Uh, yes. Okay, Jacob, you got a mic, awesome couple questions that are kind of related to each other. Um, where do we begin looking for a financial advisor, especially about questions on like social security and annuities? Uh, well, I'm at Valley Christian Counseling Center and uh, should tell you that the 30 years I was in finance, I sold annuities and I worked with social security. 
I worked with in, uh, estate planning and, and sold investments. I am a certified financial planner and I do have a master's degree in financial planning. But the, I'm not the only one. There are others out there that are helping people out. So I think the first place to start is, uh, you know, with your friends, ask who they're going to. If not, uh, in your community, look in uh, Google financial planners, Google financial counselors. Ask questions before you go. Know what you're spending before you talk to them. Good question. Any other questions? Okay, we've got one more, and I think we're going to wrap up then, and Jim will stick around for a few minutes afterwards if anybody has any questions. Go ahead, Jacob. Yes, there we go. Um, uh, my question's kind of around bankruptcy. Mm. Are there any long-term side effects? If someone is considering bankruptcy, like that's the last resort, are there long-term side effects to it? It's a very good question. Mm. Let's start with the emotional. There's definitely that, uh, I'm going to call it uh, the fear that it's going to happen again. But, you know, it's on your credit. So getting, maybe if you want a large purchase or something along that, you're going to have a little trouble. Because bankruptcy is on your credit and it's known. The other thing is that there's a stigma with the bankruptcy that comes along. The positive with bankruptcy is it gets rid of a lot of debt. It does not get rid of taxes or student loans, but it does get rid of a lot of debt. So it takes that anxiety away. Bankruptcy should be considered as a last resort, but it is a legal and healthy resort if needed. Hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for that question. And, you know, my experience has been that one of the best things people can do who are in that situation asking that question is to talk to somebody personally about their situation, whether that's a financial counselor or somebody who can give, you know, that's some really good advice about that to think through all the connotations. Um, I want to thank you for coming. Um, this was wonderful. Um, again, um, we will let you know. Um, when Jim might be back just to have some more individual kind of conversation, maybe you're in a group. But um, I really thank you for your time. Um, oh, yeah, you. it was very, very valuable, no pun intended. I um, want you to know that uh, we're going to take January off for happy hour uh, because it's like right after the holidays. So we're, we're looking to schedule for February, and uh, we will update you on what the next uh, event will be. Um, but um, thank you for coming. Um, thank you for watching. Uh, those of you who will be watching in the future days or weeks, we uh, thank you for tuning in as well. And thank you again, Jim. God bless. Thank you. Uh, you and your work. Have a Merry Christmas. And uh, thank you for spending an hour with us. Thank you.